Welcome to the Dallas Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Dallas Film Commission. Throughout this podcast series, we'll take you behind the scenes, peeling back the curtain on the magic of filmmaking. We'll explore the creative process, delve into the art of storytelling, and celebrate the talented individuals who bring these visions to life. Roll sound. Sound speed. Roll camera. Camera speed. And action. Welcome. My name is Tony Armour. I am the film commissioner here in Dallas. My name is Andrew Vela. Some people like to call me the project specialist for the film commission. <laughs> Some people. Some people. Not everyone. Not everyone. Just probably Tony. <laughs> and we're really excited to have a special guest with us today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yep. So, hey guys, uh, my name is Alex Vanover, 23 years old, Texas native, and uh, yeah, that's a bit about me. <laughs> I, fly, I fly drones. <laughs> and, an, and an amazing drone drone pilot. He's under yeah. understating his accomplishments. I believe uh, world champion mm-hmm. FPV drone pilot. Yep. And then you have transitioned basically into film and television as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one yeah. of your most recent projects was Ambulance. Yeah. With Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah, man. Yeah, Michael Bay. Yeah, Ambulance is, um, was a really cool project for me. That was actually my first feature. So I had Your been, first feature is a Michael Bay film. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was crazy. I think we had, I'd been working through COVID in 2020, like trying to build out this business model. Of, like, how can I make money doing what I love and flying drones? Yeah. It's really... Drones were a thing on set, but FPV, which is first person view for anyone who doesn't know, it's where you wear the goggles and you're flying the drone and the camera is fixed to the drone. So as the drone moves, the camera does. So it creates this mm-hmm. like very creative look that you really just can't get with any other camera platform. And it's also like, you're not attached to it. So you can like fly these things through fireballs. Like at the end of the day, yeah. it's just a dollar sign to these people. So you can get <laughs> some really cool shots because of that, without having to use visual effects. And uh, we got a call one day from Michael Mann, who's like uh, Bay's like right-hand man. It's like, Hey, we want you on ambulance. Michael wants to use this technology. And so I think ambulance was actually like my fifth or sixth day ever, like on a set, like, oh, a, wow. like a legit set. Like I've done projects yeah. and stuff, but like really being on something that big. So there was like three months of ambulance and just like learning and taking in so much information while also like getting some amazing shots in the process. It was yeah. kind of like a crash course on cinematography, but also just like what it's like to work on something that size. Sure, yeah. because, you know, and I think the other thing to note about these drones is these things fly like 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, this isn't where you're just like, you know, you see the drone buzzes up, it hangs out, it flies yep. a little, ooh, look, it's going kind of fast, and you get these nice smooth shots. Like, you mm-hmm. are, like, hauling butt, because these are ones that you race yeah. with. Yeah. And so that's why Michael Bay was really interested in this type of photography, yeah. because as a very mm-hmm. kinetic, dynamic, action-oriented director, that view gives you that same kind of viewpoint yep. of that yeah. first person really you know action kind of kind of look yeah exactly it really just brings the energy to the movies so like ambulance is is all basically a car chase scene for most of the movie you know these guys rob a bank jake gyllenhaal right and i guess is his uh, brother and um yeah they just like rob this bank and then the entire movie is just them like running away in this ambulance and so if you think about it, it's like you're, what you're talking about you have this high energy and michael's like how can i bring more energy into the scene yeah and mm-hmm. so really fpv was yeah, the perfect tool for that's that. awesome so talk about then you know getting started on that so you're obviously a pilot and you're flying and you know used to doing that kind of thing and then you and you've done you've done commercials yeah. and things like, like yeah. a lot of commercial work and everything <clears throat> yeah. but nothing commercial work wants to elevate to the level of a Michael Bay action yeah, movie. Yeah. So what are those initial conversations like when he's describing mm. what he wants to do and 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 then from there are you able to inform him, oh well, we can do this 
and this? And does that then change what you mm. want to shoot and how it goes. That's like multiple questions, but I'll just let you know. No, 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 that's good. I mean, so the thing with drones too is like there's really this lingo that we have as drone pilots that, you know, obviously like a director would have with like someone on, on the camera department, but with drone, they don't like understand. Like with an FPV drone, one of the challenges we face still to this day is the camera is fixed to the drone. So when a director's like, can you just like hover and point down? It's like, well, no, we can't because that's what a traditional drone would do. So, but what we can do is this instead. So that's like most of how the conversations mm -hmm. went on ambulance in the beginning was we can't do this, but we can do that. It was like, try not to just tell them no, but offer something else in between. Um, but most of the time, Michael would come over, he would describe the scene and like try and describe as best as possible what is happening. And he kind of relied on me to just like take that and run with it, which was kind of a lot of pressure in the beginning because I like, you just saw my like history. Like I've been flying drones for 14 years now. You know, I've come from the racing background. So you tell me to go through a five by five foot gate at 90 miles an hour. I'll do it hopefully 99 times out of a hundred <laughs> or more. Um, so like the pressure of flying the drone wasn't really there for me, but actually trying to nail the shot, you know, and knowing mm -hmm. that, you know, other people are doing their part. So it's, it's on me. The moment that drones in the air it was yeah. pretty stressful. But once I just like learned like, okay, this is what he's looking for. <clears throat> like, he's just trying to bring energy to these scenes at the end of the day. Then it like it just made sense for me. Like, okay, I would come up with a line. I would run it sometimes and then like show him afterwards. Like, okay, this is what I just did. What do you think? And he would maybe say, okay, make this like slide adjustment, like start more to the camera right. You know, maybe dive in a bit more or like bring in more speed or that's too fast actually. <laughs> it was actually what I got at the beginning was yeah. like the movements were too fast because with FPV, it's like, I didn't realize this, but you know, because every video you, I've ever watched is on a phone. Right. Yeah. When it's on a big movie screen, those movements are really big oh. when you think about it. Mm. And so I don't think that's something that anyone has ever experienced as an FPV pilot. I think I was like the first one to really have to think about that. Like, yes, you want to bring that energy, but you also have to make it smooth and slow enough mm. to where as an audience member, you're like watching in a movie theater. You don't get sick watching it at right. the same time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was like uh -huh. a, a lot of challenges in the beginning. So I feel like I was one of the first guys to go through that and navigate that. Sure. Yeah. And then that's great experience to have to take to the next project. And, and so... I guess speaking of, you know, being on that large format and being a feature film, for the most part, a lot of the drone flying is GoPros on mm -hmm. these. So like, what did you use a GoPro? Like, what was the camera that you had to use? Because an FB, yeah. FPV drone are typically small. Yep. Mm -hmm. So did you have to scale up the size of the drone in order to be able to hold the camera? Talk a little bit about the actual yeah. drone and camera itself. And, and you also build your own drones, right? Like you're using your personal drone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you can't really buy something off the shelf for what yeah. we're trying to do. Nowadays, it's a little easier if you like want to fly a GoPro, you can go buy a drone off the shelf, like not at like a Best Buy, but like you could go online and buy something ready to fly with everything you need. Um, but at the time, like especially for like what we're doing, they they wanted to fly a cinema camera. Yeah. So like up to that point, most of the flying I ever did was with a GoPro. I started doing some stuff with the Komodo in 2020. Uh, we were uh, I was working with a company called Ether Films, and we were they had like really good relationships with Jared at Red. And uh, so like we were some of the early testers on the Komodo, like really putting it through its wow. paces. The problem with cinema cameras on drones that prevented them from being on movies earlier on was that with a shutter on a camera, like you would get vibrations from the drone that would translate into the camera. Yeah. And uh, the Komodo has a global shutter. Yeah. It prevents that from happening. So it really like the Komodo was really the, the way that drones even evolved. But the problem was, okay, we still have like a heavy camera that we got to fly. And we got to be able to maneuver it just like we would a, a normal five-inch GoPro mm -hmm. FPV drone. Yeah, because you don't want to be going with that thing and then just like it, 
balance wise with the weight of it. Like, oh, yeah. You can't one, you can't lift it Two, you know, yep. it's flipping over or something. You take a little bank and then the thing flips over because it's top heavy because, yep. of, because of that on there, that on there. So how did, how yeah. did you scale that out for like size of the drone to be able to manage? And do you, yep. what was the weight of the Komodo? So it's the red Komodo is what we're talking yep. about. Mm-hmm. And, and it, which is actually the camera that a lot of people are using for virtual production on yep. LED walls as well, because for that same reason, because it doesn't, it, because it has the global shutter. And so yep. you don't get the, uh, you know, the anti-liaising and everything. Yep. So for us, it was just, um, for me really, actually, it was just a lot of testing because no one had really done this yet. So there were a couple of people who were experimenting with it on like the drone groups, but they weren't really flying a Komodo. They were just experimenting with like flying heavier payloads. So I took a lot of what they were doing and just kind of ran with it to, just to get like my, my feet going. And during the movie, there was actually just a lot of drone testing, which like they didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like there was a lot of just testing of different drones. Like I would bring different drones on set most of the time you know, as you understand, like set work, you're there all day. Maybe you get like one or two days off a week. And I would use those one or two days and just be out testing in the field. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd be on set. I'd realize like, okay, I was able to fake it. Like, and they were stoked because like, they don't know any better, but like I was struggling to fly. They the should drone. not listen to this yeah. podcast. Right no, you can now. It's not yeah. that tech has evolved, but yeah, yeah. don't the good. I didn't say this uh, during uh, the filming of the movie. No, it was just a lot of testing and a lot of math figuring out, okay, the drone's 10, 15 pounds. Like, how do I get mm-hmm. a 10 to 1 thrust to weight ratio like what I have on my GoPro FPV drones? Yeah. yeah. And so it was a lot of motor, propeller, thrust stand testing. Oh, interesting. Um, so you're looking at a 10 to 1 thrust thrust to yep. weight. And yep. so the, the drone's 10 to 15, and then the camera is 10 to 15. Well, actually, that's with the camera. It's about 10 to 15 camera. pounds. Okay, gotcha. I forget what the camera weighs on the, the Komodo, but I think the Komodo is probably like the heaviest part. Yeah, it's not, it's not a big camera, but then it depends on what lens they're putting on. That's there. the key is yeah. like the lens, you can have a lens. I, I talk in grams most of the time with yeah. drones. So like you could have a lens like a, um, like an FPV, like the, most of the time we're flying anywhere from like a nine to a 21 millimeter lens, Yeah, which we can fly tighter. But the problem when you go tighter is like the drones still like they get affected by the wind. There's no gimbal, at least on the drones we're talking about right now. You go tighter, like it's really hard to like, stabilize that image without like really losing a lot of no and that's i figured you'd be going with a wide lens right because like i mean look if you're flying a drone you want a wide shot yeah you, know, you exactly. don't want you know you're not flying a 200 millimeter telephoto like yep. you, you want to yeah. see everything that's the whole point right. of, the, of it in the first place right and but some of the lenses like going from like allow a nine to 15 millimeter lens that 15 millimeter lens was 600 grams heavier yeah wow. that was a significant weight difference and like you're talking about the center of gravity like yeah. you have to think the camera the designs we were flying initially the camera's kind of on top so like you're moving that weight on the pitch axis. Mm-hmm. So when you put a heavier camera, a heavier lens on, the drone's having to work harder to like carry that weight. So it's not as much as like it, I'm ever worried about it tipping over, but the motors would get like really hot. Yeah. The flight time would be reduced. Um, I would be like very concerned flying it through explosions and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but worried about it failing. And and surprisingly on ambulance, we didn't have a single drone crash. Wow. Wow. We had. I mean, there were many times where I'm like, I don't know how that didn't didn't yeah. just crash. And we would tell them like, hey, like. We're, we're going to fly through this explosion. We cannot guarantee that the drone comes out the other side. It's 50. And they're wow. like, well, what are the odds? We're, we're like 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you, you, I'm blind, obviously, yeah. going through an explosion. If a piece of shrapnel hits the drone, it can kill it. But with those propellers spinning so fast, it would it would go through most of the stuff. Yeah, it'd wow. have, it would should have the momentum to just yeah. keep, to keep going. Yeah. And I would think then that... Um, because of the the weight as well, it kind of has that extra mass that would that would keep it going if you know something were to happen too. Yeah. And I suppose mm-hmm. they don't really care about the camera. Like that's why they're flying the the Komodo is not you know whatever on a on a project with a budget that big is like it doesn't matter if we destroy yep. like six of these. 
I don't I don't know what they cost, but they're not super expensive. Six, six grand for the body. Okay, six. That, or, or, or Michael just says, "I'm Michael Bay. We'll get another one." Yeah, <laughs> so for, a, for six yeah. for six grand for a camera body, you'll just yeah. churn through those. You don't care if you destroy them. Well, there's a funny story. So on during ambulance, I actually uh, got married to my wife Sally. So I would left for two weeks and came back, which was like. Michael's just weird. He's just like, oh, you're leaving to get married. Gave me a hard time about it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yes, I am, Michael. Um, and I came back and on the last day of like actual shooting with like cars and stunts and whatnot, Michael had this idea. He wanted to fly a drone underneath a moving car, like jump a car. Yeah. I think you guys mm. have seen the shot. Yeah, I've seen yeah, the yeah. shot. Yeah. And, um, but Michael has, <laughs> Michael had his own personal like fleet of Komodos that Red made for him. They were like wow. the, we, like the Bay, <laughs> they were called like the Bay Hems or something like that. <laughs> Um, the Bay Motos. The Bay Motos or That's something like one. that. It is like mayhem, bayhem, whatever okay. you want to call it. And it's a green Komodo. And Michael was like, let's like strap it to your drone and like fly it for like this shot. And I think Michael anticipated that the drone, because like he was determined to make me crash through that movie, which I think it was good because again, like I gained a lot of respect from him. Sure. Yeah. Because he doesn't crashing. care. He's, he's like, he wants to push it to the limit. Right. Where yeah. if it goes to the limit where it crashes, then he knows where the limits are. Exactly. And so he was like, we're going to fly into this car. I'm going to jump the car one time because like no practice. I was just like destined for failure, um, which I think that was kind of the plan. And yeah. like, he's funny. He's like, He's like filming with his smartphone. Like that's Michael. Like he's like shooting on a smartphone. It's never going to make the movie. It's just for his personal right. yeah. archives. And uh, long story short, yeah, the, the cop car comes at me. I, I timed it perfectly. I flew under it with his camera on there, which like was yeah. sick. And then after I go through the, under the cop car, there were two other cop cars that I didn't, that was not told we're going to be there. Right. Cause he didn't want to tell me. He's testing yeah, me. Yeah. He's <laughs> testing me. And then if you have to think like, if you see that shot on my Instagram or even in the movie, it's in slow motion. Right. It's in, cause we shot in 48 frames. And so, like, everything's happening really fast in yeah, real time. Yeah. And I see those cars. I mean, just, again, we're talking heavy drone, heavy. That was a 15 mil lens. So it was a heavy lens, just full power. I mean, it's complete luck. Like, obviously, there's skill. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it, it one, a millisecond later, I've destroyed the drone and the camera. <laughs> and after that shot, I, like, I first time ever, I yelled at Michael, like, in, like, excitement, but also, like, <laughs> you didn't tell me the cop cars were going to be there. And he just walked away. <laughs> he just walked away. And I was like, man, I wonder if I, like, pissed him off or whatnot and everyone's like no he's just pissed off because he really thought that he was going to get you uh, yeah. with that shot he just like was just didn't want to admit it and then later he like was like good shot kid you know yeah. maybe i'll like buy you a video game or something <laughs> um, like, All right, go maybe i'll there. hire you again on the next <laughs> yeah, one yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll hire you again yeah working with michael's a blast and we've gotten to work with him a couple times since then no features since then mm -hmm. um hopefully he gets like something big yeah um i know he he does some some really cool projects but that was everyone kept telling me on that movie like listen alex this is going to be the most fun project you ever work on and everything's going to kind of feel like a drag after this. Yeah. And I was like, what? No, there's no way. Like I'm like looking at some of these other productions and, and I don't think that was necessarily true at the end of the day, but I will say like, it was still like the most fun because sure. every day you show yeah. up on set, something's going to blow up. Something My, Michael's <laughs> going to yell at someone. Like, something crazy is going to happen. And like, it made you excited to get up in the morning and go. Yeah. It was uh, a lot of fun. That's cool. That's, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So, in the beginning, when we started this episode, you dropped a couple of things. You're 23 years old. Yep. Your first feature is, my, is a Michael Bay film. And yeah. Michael Mann is a person that called you yeah. to work on this. How? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did you get started? You said you started 14 years ago. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that process and getting started and how you even get to work on a Michael Bay film? Yeah, yeah we, we skipped the whole first act. Yeah, that's true. We just went straight, <laughs> we went straight into went straight, act we, we went straight, straight into, into, action. Act, into <laughs> action. Yeah, so for me... <sighs> I've always had a passion for flying. I was very thankful. My um, my mom was a school teacher. She saw very quickly at a young age, I had a passion for flying. The yeah. way I got around most of that was because we couldn't afford to fly real airplanes, flew remote control airplanes. 
Yeah. I was like that nerd. And so you're nine years old at this time, nine years old, like <laughs> technically nine, 10, because it was like Christmas at nine when I got my first, uh, uh first remote control airplane, I like, flew it immediately into a tree and broke it. Like, the first <laughs> flight, it was like so depressing. It's just like everything I'd ever wanted. Um, but it was good. Like, cause I learned my dad and I shared those memories together a lot. And like just going out, like walking across the park in Coppell, Texas, and just like going to the elementary school and flying in the football field. And like, that was for most of like my like teenage years, like that was it. And um, then around 2015, I'm just sitting with my dad watching TV and we see drone racing come on. Oh, yeah. And at this point, I've been flying some quadcopters. Like I've been building some stuff, flying some FPV, but I'd never heard of drone racing before. Like I know there's been some videos of guys flying through the trees and whatnot fast. And I see this video and my dad was a billiards world champion, Bob Vanover. And I was like, I always wanted to like be a champion at something just because I thought (laughs) it was like, just like my dad was. My older brother is a tennis pro. Um, wow. And I saw that I was just like, these guys are talking in the interviews. They're like, yeah, I've been flying for like one or two years. And I was like, man, like I could smoke these guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if I like, had the time to put into it. Yeah. And so I told him like, yeah, I, I want to be a world champion in DRL. That was like the prestige. So yeah. from that point on, it was a lot of just working jobs that I could. My mom, my pa- both my parents really supported me. My mom worked three jobs just to be able to like help fund my like passion to fly drones. And then, mm-hmm. Senior year of high school, I was qualified for the drone champion national championship. And my mom had an honest conversation with me, like, listen, after this, it's been a fun ride. But, you know, like we need to focus on school and like real aviation and whatnot, which she was right about. But yeah. I was like determined, like, I want to make yeah. this work. Like I want to get to DRL. And uh long story short, went out to Reno, Nevada and won the 2017 National Drone Racing Championship at the Reno Air Races. And that was like the events that led to that were just crazy. And then from there, it was like, okay, I graduated high school. And then I had all these sponsors who wanted to fly me across the world to these races. And I was like making crazy money, but like, I was like a dream, like, okay, I'll take a gap year from high school, yeah. go yeah. do this. And then maybe wow. go back to college after filming uh-huh. wasn't even a, a part of the equation. Like no one was really yeah. doing drone filming with FPV. And so from there, I finally, like I get the dream call from DRL cause you had to be like 18 years old too. So I was like 17, 18. Right. So like mm-hmm. I missed out on the, on they were just season. waiting with you yeah. on speed dial, like yeah. ready, <laughs> ready to hit it. Well, I got teased because I got a call from this guy named Ryan Gurry, who used to uh, be like a pilot manager at DRL. And he was mm-hmm. like, how old are you? And I'm like, well, I turn 18 in January. He's like, we start filming like in December. Uh-huh. I was like, that's a bummer. Since then they've actually lowered the age limit to, I think 16 years old, which yeah. is, which is a good thing. That's cool. Cause most yeah. of the fast guys are that age now. So up until this point, where are you like, post, you're just posting on Instagram and yeah. YouTube, like videos of your, of your flying and stuff. Yeah. And you can even go back and look at some of the OG ones. It's like, <laughs> it's, I don't even really cringe looking at them. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's cool to see like how my flying has evolved. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of it was just like racing through PVC gates where like, just like home yeah. built stuff and then freestyle as well. It's like freestyle with drones, obviously now a lot closer to what it is with filming is just like the skateboarding of drone flying, like yeah. just like doing power loops over trees, like flips over buildings, diving down built like that. That was like all cool stuff to me. By the way, like through all this process, I didn't get my driver's license till I was 20 years old. <laughs> and so it was an interesting thing. Cause like, I would want to go fly with like these like drone buddies that I like, I met online yeah. at these races and like, they're all like 30 years old or more. <laughs> and so I'm like, Hey mom, can you like take me to like downtown Dallas at like 10 PM at night? Like we're going to like dive down these buildings in a sketchy part yeah. of town. Like, <laughs> you can imagine how those conversations went, but like, that was like good memories for me. And, and a lot of people, even in the Dallas community who, who still fly, like just as like a hobby, like, yeah. uh, you know, shout we called themselves the Dallas drone stars for a while. Like it was like, our, our, we hope to be like a racing team one day. Those guys mm-hmm. really like kind of like were like mentors to me in a way. Cause it was mm-hmm. like, I didn't have like a lot of friends, like in high school, I was kind of, um, 
more like introverted. I was like focused on school and drone flying and I did like debate, which is about the most extroverted thing I did. <laughs> so for me, it was like kind of cool, like having older friends, just like that were, were mature and were doing something that I was really passionate about myself. Yeah. But that was kind of the story up till that point. And then I finally get the DRL call. So I've like raced around the world, done my thing um, and all the other leagues that I could participate in. I wanted to like win in every one and I was doing that. I get the call to DRL and like I was the youngest pilot to ever fly in DRL at the time. I was 19 mm. and we started our race in Miami and I had, I mean, everyone wanted to see like all those pilots, they knew like this was the future of the yeah. next wave because they're yeah. 26. You know, most of these guys mm. have, uh, I think been flying for four or five years. I've been flying for nine years at 10 years at this point. Wow. So I think the experience was there and I think they all underestimated me, which surprised me because, you know, I just won a national championship, right. but I think they were so convinced because DRLs, you know, the premier drone racing league that like the pressure was going to be higher. I was going to be able to handle it. The drones we fly are different. If you've ever seen DRL, they're bigger, heavier drones. They look amazing on camera, but they're, they require a level of precision and maturity that you don't get outside of DRL. And I came in and won my first race, just like worked as hard as I could. And I, I think that's really what won me the world championship was just my dad and my, both my parents really, they just drilled this work ethic into me right. to like um, work harder than everyone else. And, you know, just learn to, block out what everyone else is saying about you and just focus on yourself. Like just keep everything in your belief internal and just prove them all wrong. And that's kind of what I did in 2019. So that was like pretty much my drone racing career. And I still do drone race, but obviously since then the priorities have shifted slightly because my goal was to be the world champion. And I know there's some guys in other sports too, like they want to be like a 10 time world champion for me. Like it really was just like, I just want to be the world champion and I was content with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I still am competitive, but you know, may or may not be a world champion again at drone racing, but that's okay because I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, you're kind of transitioning into the yeah. next phase yeah. sort of yeah. thing, which is which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so how did you then make that, it's not really a leap, but sort of that slow slant transition from mm-hmm. the drone racing to then who, like what was that first call that yeah. someone said, hey, can you film this for us? Yeah, so I, ironically, it was COVID that was mm-hmm. the blessing in disguise with all this because- you know, I, I win in 2019, like November, December, 2019. And then COVID hits a couple months later. And in that time, actually, there were a couple of connections I made just through, um, local events, like local dr- drifting events, actually. Cause the, the rage in from like 2019, even to now in FPV was like the first thing anyone ever really filmed were cars. Yeah. There wasn't really cinematic drone flying. It was like mm-hmm. drift cars are the thing to chase. Uh, GoPro did like a thing with a pilot named Johnny FPV where like he chased drift cars. And I think from like really that video, I'll give him credit. Like that I think was the start of, okay, like drones can be like a thing that we do as a full-time job, like filming. And so COVID hits though. And I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to like go be an airline pilot? Am I going to go back to school? Like this has been a fun ride. And then I get a a DM on Instagram from a guy named Davis DeLillo out at Ether Films in El Segundo, California. And he's like, hey man, uh, I just, I, I work for this production company and we're trying to pioneer the dr- the tech that is used on set. And I'm a drone pilot myself, but I don't have your skill level. Um, I'm curious, like if you would have any interest in like working with us to develop systems that would fly a cinema camera because they saw an untapped market themselves. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. And so I was like, I just saw this message. I like, by the way, never check my Instagram DMS. <laughs> I don't get a ton. I just like, you don't check them. And I just checked them one day. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I flew out there in May of 2020 during COVID. And we just like sat in the office, like started working on stuff. I think they rented a couple of Aston Martins and like went out into the desert and we just <laughs> shot for a couple of days. That's fun. Like wow. no one really done drone shots yet. So yeah, a lot of yeah. it was like just 
very basic like t at the time it wasn't it wasn't basic but looking back now it was like man it was so sick i just chased that car from this p point of view and it was sick right and no one had ever done that before yeah. now there's so many different things that we're doing with these shots but doing that there was no money in that at this point yeah it was just hope yeah mm -hmm. well it's, and it's interesting yeah. it, ma it makes sense that the first kind of ideas on how to get started were okay an fpv is fast yeah. So mm -hmm. what's the point in doing it unless you're following something else that's fast? You're not going to follow yeah. just somebody walking or running or even riding a bike because it's not fast enough. You can do that with a regular drone. Yep. But then cars and sports cars, that makes sense that that's that, you know, yep. that first mm -hmm. transition. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I thought for a while that it was just going to be like use in cars. Like I never, even then, I don't think any of us pictured being on a movie. I think our goal was we would love to work on a movie in like five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was our plan together. So I was thinking about like, okay, how do I sustain myself? Like until that point, because obviously the, we knew the money was in movies and some of the guys yeah. on our crew, they've been working in film with through just cameras and stuff for a decade at this point, even traditional drone work. Um, and so we, we started doing all these spec projects, like these free projects. And we would, yeah. we would just post them on social media. Mm -hmm. We would send them, they would send them to clients that they knew. And then, a couple of commercials started giving us calls like, hey, like we have a Nissan commercial out in the desert. You know, we want mm. some of those drone shots. So we would go out there and we would like bring our van out. I'd fly out to LA from Dallas and uh, be out there for a couple of days. We'd shoot this commercial. And like for me, I was exciting because I was making money at this point doing this, like paying the bills. I was like, this is sick. Um, <laughs> I'm like doing something with this mom. And, um, and if you're listening. I, I was able to, yeah, I was able to move out of the house. Too. Mom, I'm not a loser. <laughs> I'm not a, and, I have and, a job. Yeah, exactly. And to, to her credit, they, they believed in me. Like yeah. the moment I won that yeah. national championship, the support was all there. And it was just like being real. They encouraged me to be realistic, but also like to be passionate about what I do. And I'm very mm -hmm. thankful for that. Um, and so all these commercials start coming in. And it actually wasn't me directly who got the call, but it was our company that they, we did, mm -hmm. we did this, I'll back up. We did this one spec in particular for Ducati. I don't know if you've seen the shot that I did. It was diving off a building in LA at night into lower grand, which is like mm -hmm. diving from midair to like underground through right. about wow. a 10 foot wide gap, which 10 foot wide for a drone that's, you know, this big doesn't seem that bad. But when you're coming in at 90 miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. And it's like pitch black. And you have to remember like what we see in the goggles is not as good a quality as what you see on the red. Right. So we do that because we need low latency. And so that was like that one shot, the pilot who was supposed to do it, his name was Johnny FPV, which some of you guys who follow drones will know. He's like, he was like the big name and he still is a big name and he was sick. So he couldn't do the project. And so I got sick the, in a bad way, not sick in a good way. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> sick in a and poor guy had COVID. Um, but it was it actually kind of lit a fire under my belly because I was working with this production company and they wanted to use him on the shot, even though we had been working together. But mm -hmm. it was because mm -hmm. like they were like, we want to make sure like this is the guy who's actually doing projects right now, the only guy who's getting consistent commercial work. Like we want to use him on this because we want. I think they still thought he was like the best pilot. I think they still like even after all those projects like there was a little less faith in me that there wasn't him. Right. Which lit yeah. a fire into my belly. Cause like with all due respect, I just felt like I was the better pilot. Cause I'd been flying longer and you know, I was like, I just needed the chance to prove it on something like, cause all, to my knowledge, like all this stuff that I was doing was not very difficult. I needed mm -hmm. something like that shot. That was going to be like, wow, this is so difficult and to execute it well. So we do this dive and we come on a motorcycle. We got it second try. We actually got it the first try, but the timing was like, could have been better. So we got it within two tries mm. and to the point where like we had this shot slated out till 12 at 12 a.m. at night and we were done by 10. It was like, <laughs> we're just like, that's a win if you're on site. Oh yeah. No yeah. Kidding. Like when they're saving them time and money. Absolutely. And that one shot, I remember like people at ETH, they're coming up to me and they were just wowed and they're like, that shot's going to make your career. 
Wow. And of course, like I, it didn't to me, like then nothing happened for like a couple months. I was like, okay, maybe like, yeah. I believe it. It's a sick shot. And then I get a phone call from Davis sick, DeLillo. Sick in a good way, not sick in a bad way. Sick in a good way. That's true. Good clarification. <laughs> um, I get a phone call and Davis DeLillo is freaking out. He's like, I remember I was in my apartment, I got the call and he's like, dude, we are going to be on a Michael Bay movie. And I actually forgot for a second who Michael Bay was. <laughs> like I knew the name, but I was like, Michael Bay, like Transformers, Michael Bay. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought we were doing like Transformers, but it was yeah. Ambulance. Yeah. Um, and so that's, obviously we told that story. We skipped through to act two, but that is what led up to that. Right. So yeah. um, it's just a lot of events happening that led up to that. And it's super exciting to like talk about it and look back because, you know, it just, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of looking back on your career, what are some of like those early skills that you learned or would pass on to like someone trying to fly a drone or just get to where you are right now? Yeah. I would encourage people to like pursue making their own content, even mm -hmm. if they're not making money doing it. Like there's so many ways that I could have been using like, and some of the things I did do, like, you know, like I would, you know, talk to my friends and be like, Hey, you got like a Mustang. That's cool. Like, can I like, pay you like $20, like, or buy your dinner. Let's like go find a road out in like Justin, Texas or something. And like, oh my let God, me I just have a Mustang. Will you record it? Bro, let's, let's, <laughs> after this. Um, and like, just doing donuts in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Doing, how, are you good at drifting? No, I'm not, but you can, you can make me look like I'm drifting. That's true. I'll make you look safe. Just shooting 24 frames, yeah. shutter speeds. Like, yeah. I just do slow circles in the parking lot. There we go. I'll just like speed ramp, make you yeah. look like, look sick. Um, and so that, that'd be like my biggest tip to people is like, just find ways. Like if you, you don't have to live anywhere super cool to like yeah. get cool content. If you live near mountains or something even better, like go like fly through mountains, post on Instagram. Like you're not only like potentially like attracting people to work with, but you're also just like becoming a better pilot yourself, like flying in those situations. Um, and just like go make content's the biggest thing. And I think beyond that, I come from racing and I feel like the best pilots like Johnny FPV, myself, we come from a racing background as well. Like he raced in DRL for one or two years mm -hmm. and being able to like not only fly a drone at that speed, that precisely over and over again, but also being able to handle that pressure. Yeah. Mm. Like that's something that I, I think that a lot of people who I see get into the filming side of things with FPV, like there are some, there's some great pilots, but they don't perform to the level that, that I've seen them fly outside of like set when they're on set. And I think it's a pressure thing because they don't come from race. They don't know like mm. how to deal with that. Yeah. Cause it's like, all right, you have one take or you get two takes or whatever yeah. it is. And you're, and the, the entire crew is watching, yep. waiting for you not to screw up. I mean, it's, it's like being yeah. an athlete basically. Like, exactly. you, know, you, you know, you have to, you have to practice to hone the skills, but then you have to be in competition yeah. to really have that. And, and I suppose the, uh, a lot of could be, you know, the reaction as well, because like if you're racing, you're reacting as you're, you know, moving through the course and everything. And so yeah. in the course of shooting something, it really is um, not just action, but reaction. And so you yep. have to train the reaction skills as well as just yep. the, you know, the repetitiveness of action. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly. So my two tips, would, I guess, to sum up would be like, go out there, make content. Freestyling is another, that's like a third one, I suppose, like going out, just like learning how to fly your drone and like upside down and like really comfortably. You can watch drone videos online and like go replicate that stuff. There's plenty of places to go mm -hmm. fly where you won't bother anyone. You don't have to like go fly downtown, which I wouldn't recommend um, without permits. <laughs> and I was going to say, also and, illegal. And without permits. It's not it, it was not like this years ago, <laughs> but now it is, which is, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. And then I would encourage people to find a, like a local drone racing chapter. If they really are pursuing film, I, like it's, I think doing a little bit of racing will really help. You don't have to build like a, a racing drone specifically, just going out and learning how to fly through 
five by five foot PVC gates over and over and over again without crashing. I mm-hmm. think people don't realize, and I've seen people who they, they end up taking my advice. They just go to like a local race wherever they're living. They're like, this is silly. I finished 13th out of 20th, right? And my goal is to be a film yeah. pilot, but they like learn to fly those courses consistently. And then when they show up on set and they ask them to fly through a 10 foot gap, they're like, Oh, psh, yeah. I can do that. I'm not worried about it because I've been flying through five by five foot gates way faster. Sure. Yeah. And so literally the advice is practice. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. It, actually pretty, it's really pretty simple when you boil yeah. it down. Yeah. yeah. Well, practice. What about music videos? Cause you've shot two music videos for Justin Bieber, right? Yep. So I imagine if you're flying a drone next to someone like Justin Bieber, there's a, like, you're just thinking about safety as well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. For or sure. Or he's not. Or you're not going, cause you don't need to, right? <laughs> uh, what if I knock Justin Bieber out with this drone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be a good way to end my career. Yeah. Probably end yeah. any drone career for people too. Um, <laughs> just and the laws that would get changed if I were to hit a talent or someone else was. Um, yeah. When you're flying around him, there's like precautions that we take both on the gear side of things as well as from the flying side of things. So one of the things that we do is we put guards around the propellers of the drones. So they're mm-hmm. like, the, it makes the drones perform worse because you think it, you have like wind sails basically around your, your drone. So it slows it down and makes it less efficient, a little more noisy too. But the be- benefit is like, if I hit him, like it's not going to hurt him at all. It's not going to mm-hmm. cut him. Like that's the best part. I'll just like bounce off like a bumper car. Um, it's not fun to fly, but it's one of those precautions we take when we fly around any type of talent, whether it's a GoPro drone or whether it's a Cinelifter, as we would call it, to fly a cinema drone. Um, so that's one of the precautions. And besides that, it's just a lot of planning. Like we talked through the shot, like on some of these commercials and even like I was talking about ambulance in this podcast, like sometimes it's just like free reign to basically do what we want. Like this is what we're trying to capture. You do that the best way possible. But when you're flying around talent, diving on them, like on that Justin Bieber music video uh, stay with him and Kid Leroy. Like, obviously they're moving through the scene. So like I made sure to like walk with them and tell them like, Hey, this is where the drone is going to be. And not vary from that. So yeah. That way they know what to expect as well. Because like yeah. up to that point, I don't believe either one of them had worked with any types of drones. So you imagine you have this flying machine coming at you and it's like, it's loud. It's scary. Yeah. You guys have seen me fly my GoPro drone, but like these yeah. Cinelifters, like, they're not necessarily louder, but they have like a deeper roar to them. You realize like when you pick it up, like how much power that drone has to have in order uh-huh. to lift this camera. Like you do not want that flying into you. Yeah. Regardless of if it has guards on it or not. And so a lot of it too is like when I show up with new talent, I will build that trust up. So I won't start off super, super close. And I explain that to the the director or, or the, the AD, whoever it might be. Like, hey, I'm going to start off a little bit back just so that way they, they can get comfortable with the drone being around mm-hmm. them. Because there are actors in Hollywood who they literally will not work on a project and it's, it's unfortunate because they've like heard of like a drone incident or something like that. And so they will not work around yeah. drones. They're really? just like, out, and it doesn't matter if it's got guards and it's, they're like, nope, won't do it. Interesting. Will not work. I will not work if it's like they're striking against drones. That's, that's be taken two different ways there. <laughs> that could be. Drone strike. Um, we are not advocating. We're, we are not advocating for drones. <laughs> Please don't. Drones are very safe. And if you if you find, if anyone's out there looking for drone pilots, all I would say is that you just want to find someone who's qualified, who has a resume, and make sure that they are prepared. I talk through those situations as well. Yeah. I actually love it when clients do that with me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, so a lot of car commercials. Yep. Music videos, a, a Doritos commercial, right? Doritos. Okay, commercial. I was gonna ask because that's what I was, <laughs> I was gonna crazy, ask. Yeah. What, what besides cars, music videos, and Michael Bay? Like, you mm-hmm. know, what what other things are brands or commercials or yeah. feature films getting creative with that they want? Mm. You know, uh, FPV footage. I think two ones that popped to my mind. Or I'll I'll say three. One of them would be a Doritos commercial, and it was funny because we were flying the drone like 
like around the kids. The scene is like they're playing soccer and eating Doritos. And so like just doing some like high and wide stuff, like very typical drone stuff. Yeah. And then there's a shot where like kid kicks the ball and then it cuts to like a one and a half second t- shot of like the drone is like the ball POV. Yeah. Which is cool. Oh. Like you could never do that with a camera yeah. fast enough. Yeah. So I literally flew the drone into the soccer net. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, the fun thing about this as well is you can do all this like in camera. You're not having yep. to create it in animation and post production yep. and special effects. You yep. can see mm-hmm. what it looks like when you're, when you're doing it and knowing if it, yep. and know if it works or not. And that's the more you think about it, it's like, Sports stuff, like it makes a lot of sense, you know, somebody throws a football and you just chase the football, yep. you know, kind of thing. I don't know if you've done that yet, but yeah, I've done some chasing of the football. Yeah, I mean, that seems like it makes sense. Any, yep. Anything where, you know, I can imagine it can, st- you can start getting really creative with, uh, with a variety of different, uh, different types of shoots. Yeah. I've, d- I've done like golf ball chasing. I've yeah. done football chasing. Another one that pops to my mind is Chipotle. You think like we're dealing with the drone, like in guacamole. They're throwing burritos. They're <laughs> throwing burritos, and the drone is slicing through them. Yeah. You know? So there is. Um, it was actually with Chipotle in the NHL that mm-hmm. uh, I did a project earlier this year, and it was like three different specs that we shot like in a one and a half week tour around the United States, and it was like more typical drone shots. Like in this case, it was hockey players, so it's like a fifteen second one take that's only drone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then at the end, it's like one second of them just like you know eating Chipotle on a handheld gimbal <laughs> um but it was cool like it's like they're like doing the voiceover and they're like talking about like what they would have in their like burrito bowl or something like that and i'm like flying around them as they're like kicking the soccer ball around kicking it into the net um and it's just like cool so like i think the, the point of that is like just to show like even with a client like chipotle like you can still do something cool creative yeah. with the drone i want to fly through like some guacamole or something <laughs> <laughs> that. and a burrito was, explosion a burrito, burrito explosion yeah, yeah just like flying through burritos and then i think the final one it was a movie but it was a it was very different because it was emancipation with will smith yeah oh. and what was crazy about emancipation was you have to put in my, yourself in my shoes you just came off of a michael bay movie and then justin Bieber music video so all these things are very high action fpv yeah i get there on amb- or sorry on emancipation and we're in the swamps and it in Louisiana, it's like hot, it's sticky. I'm like, man, this doesn't look like a set that's like going to have this high energy FPV. Um, and Bob Richardson is was the DP on that, and Bob made it very, very clear he does not like drones. <laughs> he was anti drone. He goes, listen, if if I can have it my way, I'm gonna for a shot, I'm gonna have my men cut down all these trees, lay the tracks out, and they're gonna get it first try. You know, like that was his style. Of, he's a, he's a yeah. cinematographer. Yeah, he's, he's, old, he's a purist. Cinematographer. He's yeah. a purist. These drones, no, thank you. And, um, during that movie, it was like, I would do some fly through shots and very, very slow, like keeping the drone as level as mm-hmm. possible. And I would do the shot and most people were, were pretty stoked, including myself. Like, man, that was sick. It's like so much <laughs> different than like chasing yeah. a car. Like yeah. we're flying through the scene. And then Bob came up to me after the first shot. He's like, he's like, I'll tell you when the shot's good. And I was like, <laughs> that was like, it wasn't depressing, but it was like a wake up call for me because yeah. I basically had people my entire drone career at this point just gassing me up and like telling right, me how good my right. shots are. And so, but that was like, I love that challenge as well. But what we realized and, and to add to that was the drone platform we had, you can't fly a traditional drone because it's too big. It won't fit in the spaces that they needed to fly, like through mm-hmm. the trees, near talent. But you couldn't fly an FPV drone because they didn't want any of this camera movement. Right. So we were like, well, what do we do? Like they can't put the camera out over the swamps which is why they couldn't lay the tracks out. Yeah, yeah. So we did gimbal at FPV. Mm-hmm. We literally like took a Ronin gimbal and an RS3 
Um, and we just like so, and you, built ha- a drone. you hang that below yep. then, yep. because so then for a platform when you're launching that, it's obviously not launching flat off the ground. You've got to have like almost pedestals on yep. each side, and it's on the pedestals. You hook it underneath, and then you lift. Or you just take it like we built like landing gear for the RS3 yeah. okay, and gotcha. the Ronin, for example, to be able to to just be able to take it off. So right. you don't have to like. There were some sketchy initial flights though. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big drone to be able to. Yes, that's, it is. that's heavy. You're talking about a. F- sometimes up to a 40, 50 pound drone yeah. wow. and it's FPV. So it's not yeah. like these traditional drones that are 55 pounds, but they have GPS, right? Like this is 100% acro, which means no stabilization. Um, and we brought that onto set midway through the movie. And actually I'll give credit to another pilot at, at Lightcraft who worked on that. His name is Jordan Temkin. And he actually really was like one of the guys who was like passionate already about this idea. And that movie was like the perfect instance to really bring it to light. And that made Bob super happy because we could put the drone in areas where they couldn't put their cameras, but we were able to move the camera like it was in, um, at the speed of an FPV drone without the look of it being FPV. Right. So it's a two-man operation. So you have one guy doing the gimbal sure, and course. doing the camera, yeah. and it's one guy pulling focus and then another pilot flying the drone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It created a different um, like a different workflow. As, as the pilot, I can't see what that camera is seeing. Mm-hmm. So it was, took a lot of communication back and forth. Like, okay, drone left, camera move, like right, pan, like down, push up. So we had to like figure this all out on the fly. Yeah. But yeah. coming from like ambulance to that, I mean, that is like the biggest stark difference that I think there could be. It's like working on something that's like truly cinema. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting then because not you, because you're so young in your career when it comes to the feature film side of things and you're just learning because your background was not in film or yeah. cinematography mm-hmm. or anything at all. And so each time you do something, you're going to learn a little bit more and be able yep. to apply that to the next project, the next, and probably building new and different drones because so-and-so wants this type of shot or yep. whatever else it might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just a lot of learning, just yeah. constant learning. So when you get a call to work on a Michael Bay film, I imagine when you hear his name, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I don't care what it is, right? But like for something like Emancipation, what do those early conversations look like? Mm-hmm. Like, what did they tell you about the movie? Did they tell you what, like, what did those early meetings look like for you? Yeah, so oftentimes it's, um, with the client calls, it's, they... They won't tell us everything, but they'll just tell us like, mm-hmm. you know, we're filming in the swamps and we're going to be like, these are the shots that we're kind of looking for. Like in, in Emancipation, it was a mixture of like flying through like the first scene of the movie, which they shot for about a month. It took them like, I think Emancipation, because <laughs> there was also a hurricane. Yeah. So it took them like seven, eight months to, fi- to film that movie. It probably oh. would have taken them six or five, but it took them a lot longer. Like the hurricane like destroyed the set. It's like, uh, if you imagine it's like a civil war set. So like yeah. it's not supposed to be robust. Right. Um, and so a lot of the shots were like flying through the scene, like kind of capturing the feel of like, this is like establishing shots. And the other half are like the, the slaves are, they're running away. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like those action moments, kind of similar to what we would do with FPV, but mm-hmm. with a gimbaled look so that you mm-hmm. don't get like this whole thing. Um, and so those early conversations, because it was something new to us, they were like, felt like a bit vague yeah. because we knew what they were wanting, but we didn't realize that they didn't want the non FPV look. And I don't think they exactly realized it either. And mm-hmm. you have to imagine like the DP ultimately has so much control over that when it's on yeah. set. So like he, we're not on the call with Bob Richardson necessarily. Mm-hmm. We're just on the call with like, sometimes it's, it's the director or sometimes it's an executive producer or something like that. So then we get there and then we realize, Oh man, like we don't really have the tool that they actually want. Like, and again, this is part of the translation and, and learning trying to like educate people on FPV and why I like doing stuff like this too, is people don't realize like what these FPV drones can and can't do. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, this has been a challenge for the last couple of years is trying to educate people. So that way, first off, like I don't want someone to hire me if like I'm not the person for the job, but at the same time, like now with the drones, they've evolved so much where, okay, like I can bring a, a like a different drone for a different job. 
Whereas like before it's like an FPV drone. Um, now we have an FPV drone with a gimbal. So like right. really like depending on what the client wants. So yeah, because you've built some of these from scratch. So it's yeah. like now you build it, you don't get rid of it. It's like you've got yeah. it. It's like, all right, we got this for the next one. And yeah. and you know, can 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 tweak those and modify them or do yep. different ones. And it's yep. it's very cool to know that this is still so brand new and really just evolving as it goes. Mm. Yeah, it's continually evolving. And I, I, my goal with the drones is to try and, you know, obviously continue to evolve them. Like I think a, a big limiting factor right now is the flight time. Like traditional drones yeah. will fly for 10 to 20 minutes or more. Our FPV drones will fly for anywhere from two to five minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like if you think about a set, like when I try and make it very clear to ADs, like the drone needs to be the last thing that takes off because I can get to my camera one position really fast. Yeah. Like I can get there and <laughs> like this. Yeah. Um, like, but I can't be just sitting there for five minutes while like you make some changes. Right. And that's happened a couple of times. Right. It sucks when it happens, like especially on a movie. Or like I'm sitting there waiting, 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 and I'm like, sorry. they're like ready to roll finally. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I gotta land. Like, if you want the drone in the shot, like I gotta change the battery. And th- and thankfully, that's about a two minute process. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not too long, but like it's just part of the workflow. Yeah. So trying mm-hmm. to educate, like that's like the biggest limiting factor on drones. I think as the battery tech improves, drones get more efficient as well. That will get better, but it's not gonna be an overnight change. So like that's something that we're gonna have to deal with for the, probably the next five years or so. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine you just have like a stack of batteries, oh, yeah. basically yeah. that you yeah. just go through and keep continually yep. charging throughout the throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. And so generally, we bring enough batteries to be able to fly for, I would say, like an hour and a half continuously. Mm-hmm. Which that's like that's a that's, that's like a back to back to back. Like, yeah. um, there's very few times where we're ever doing that. Um, mm-hmm. the, one of the times was on Gran Turismo, which I filmed last year because we're on a racetrack, and so there's like you know, multiple different teams out on the track. So really we're just like tasks, like here's your shot list for the day. Like we want shots of this car, this car, yeah. frontal shots, panning, side shots, et cetera, et cetera. And so we'd be out there and they're running the cars like continuously all day. So like we were struggling. It yeah. was cold too. So the batteries were performing even worse yeah. in the yeah. cold weather. Like we were getting 90 seconds of flight time at, uh, you know, hundred miles an hour, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think about with a gimbal, yeah. yeah. hundred miles an hour. But um, yeah, we were just, that was one of those instances. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, you know, as you have longer shots that are needed, like nobody's going to do a, um, you know, Goodfellas style, super long one that's like 10 minutes long. You can't have that because the battery won't last that long. You literally have to have two drones flying, one that's going and then the one that like lifts and takes like as in stages or something, Mm -hmm. if you were going to, if you're going to shoot something like that. There's ways to cheat it as well. Like one takes are another thing we didn't talk too much about. I feel like that's like one of the other ways that drones are used where Mm -hmm. they'll fly through a restaurant or like Mm -hmm. a bowling alley or something like that. And you get this awesome perspective, especially when you like get someone who's good at editing and they can like put good sound effects in there and like do good Mm -hmm. color grading through, through windows. Yeah. And and most of that stuff is GoPro FPV, which annoys me because like ironically, like I've become like really a fan of like even the Komodo to me, like I, that's like on a big set, the Komodo is like a GoPro to them. Right. They're yeah. like, can you fly like an Alexa mini? It's like, well, <laughs> we can, but it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> like you have yeah. to explain that kind of that conversation with them. But yeah, with those, with those GoPro fly throughs, they're, they're a lot of fun and, and they're their own challenge in its own way as well. But yeah. everything is like a different tool for every job as well. And you know, most of the stuff I do, I would say is like on the, the feature side of things, movie features, car commercials, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But well, I'm what, trying to keep into the feature side of things as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I guess you maybe don't really know what's coming next because waiting for the the SAG strike to get yep. over WG, WGA is over. But I, yep. I assume you're fielding calls like there's interest as mm-hmm. you know stuff is uh, coming down the line. 
Yeah, there's a couple of projects that uh, I'm working on at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if I can say, so I'm not going to, but we, sure. we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a couple of projects I was working on before the strike happened that still have a couple of weeks of filming to resume. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for the strike den because I've been in talks with like uh, my production coordinators who are like, yeah, like these are the dates we're looking at, assuming the strike were to end. Right. And then there's even more talks about future projects. I, I think though, like, I think, it's not going to be an immediate total white switch. I think that these projects are going to finish and I think there'll still, it'll still be a little bit slow. Yeah. There's going to be a gap because we're closing in on the holidays now yeah, and exactly. nothing will start up till January, essentially. Yeah. January, February. Yeah. But I think that the, the positive through all this has been like the commercial side of things has started to come back as sure. well. Mm-hmm. And there's been like other projects, like some stuff I've been doing here with you guys in Dallas as well, trying to, you know, pave a pathway there as well. So it's like kind of opened up doors that I wouldn't have like thought about even going through if it wasn't for like all these features kind of like coming to an abrupt halt. I mean, to be honest, once ambulance hit, it was like kind of back to back to back. Yeah. And I think yeah. I was naive. I just was like this. It's, I didn't realize it was kind of like a little bit of a bubble. Like obviously there's going to be features, but sure. like we were really in like a big, like every project is happening right now. Yeah. I was just like, man, it's never going to end. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing you need to learn about the industry is like, take yeah. it while you can and like make as much money as you can on that because then you might go a year with nothing. Exactly. You just don't know what, how it's, you know, how yep. things are going to play out. Yeah, exactly. That's been, that's been a fun learning experience, especially living in California now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's very expensive yeah. to live there. Yeah. 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 Uh, You're like, like, wait a minute, Dallas cost of living, LA cost of living. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought an apartment in, in Grapevine was uh, expensive. Oh man, I had no idea. Like I look now, I like look with my wife at like home prices and whatnot here. I'm like, yeah, I'm like man, like I can't wait to get back. Yeah. <laughs> like let's just buy the house in Dallas and we'll commute to LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and know. potentially, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. awesome, Alex. Thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah. today, yeah, guys. Uh, Andrew, any final questions for? No. We, Do you have anything you'd like our listeners to? close out with or hear from you yeah bring some drone work to dallas um that'd be that'd be sick um no i mean it was like fun talking with you guys and like hopefully this is also educational for anyone like dps or directors clients listening you know hopefully mm-hmm. like you learn some stuff about like the drone things uh that i do um the different platforms and whatnot um and i think i think it's really exciting to you like obviously texas is my home so it's like good chatting with you guys yeah. Being back here in dallas it's just always will feel like home to me no it's good having you on and i i learned something today I too. Learned something today. <laughs> love that that's great guys Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And that wraps up another episode of the Dallas Film Commission podcast. We hope you enjoyed this behind-the-scenes journey. We'd like to express our gratitude to our incredible guests who shared their valuable insights and stories with us and all of you. Whether you're a budding filmmaker, an old pro, or a movie enthusiast, Dallas is a place where we make things happen. Be sure to visit the Dallas Film Commission's website for more information, resources, and opportunities to get involved in this thriving industry. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes filled with great guests, inspiring stories, and industry secrets. And cut. Cut.